0: Um, I'm really pleased to welcome Robert Picard, who uh, with us for some time as a visiting fellow, and joined us as director of research in the autumn, and. Um uh, you can see what Robert's title is here. I, I don't know what Robert's going to say. All I know is that l- the last seminar he gave here a while ago was called "Why Journalists Deserve Low Pay," and um, he escaped unscathed, um, <laughs> I uh, though did a little for a <laughs> <turn before laughs> a So uh, that was the last so. sort of seminar of this kind he gave to the kind of Reuters Institute <laughs> Journalist Fellows. So um, I don't know whether you've got the same in store today, Robert, or whether it's going to be a little bit more soothing. I think it's a little more soothing. Too. Too. Okay. So, All right. Okay, Robert, yeah. over to you. <laughs> Well, as, as you're all aware, um, there, there is a crisis in the uh, um, fundamental business relations underlying commercial journalism, particularly, um, that sometimes falls over into the non commercial sector as well. Um, all around the world, people are concerned about it, and the body of literature that has been growing on this uh, has been growing exponentially over the last two to three years. Particularly because of the panic over the economic crisis that's coming on top of the business model kind of crisis. Um, I'd like to to basically start out by saying there's good news and there's bad news. Um, the good news is actually that despite all the turmoil, despite all the rhetoric, um, the uh, business model for journalism is not irreparably damaged. Um, it will never be the same as it has been, um, but it is. Uh, but there are some possibilities to deal with it. Uh, the bad news is, of course, is that um, essentially what is happening is the business model is being attacked by outside forces, um, and uh, this is making it so that the business model is not as effective as it was in the past, and that there will need to be significant behavioral change in media and news organizations in the years to come, if they're gonna survive this, this along the way. Um, there is, however, a good deal of opportunity to adjust, and that's, that's why I'm actually somewhat hopeful um, if, because there are ways to fashion new relationships and to tap into new opportunities in this environment. Um, essentially, when you talk to anybody in the industry, and you talk to executives in the industry, essentially they say, we've got to get more money. Um, The fact is they were particularly happy with the money they had in the 1980s and 1990s because adjusted for inflation, it was the greatest amount of money they've ever had in their life. Um, It rose faster in the 80s and 90s than in any decade previously, and it made media companies very rich, including many journalistic organizations. Um, that has all disappeared. That growth has disappeared, and in fact, we're in negative uh, revenue streams. So when you talk to newspaper publishers and you talk to uh, publishers of news magazines and, and those running commercial broadcasting, they're all saying we just got to get some new money. We we got to. We've got to put paywalls in. We've got to we got to find subscription money. We've got to do all these other kinds of things to get to get money. Journalists, know, many of them have been laid off in the last ten years, are trying all kinds of startups. Um, they're looking for money wherever they can. They've been getting it mainly from foundations and some community organizations. Um, but those will not be enough to stay. And so they're they're looking for how do we develop a revenue stream to make make this journalism really work. Um, What I would like to point out is that this is the wrong way to go about figuring out what you're gonna do with the business model. Um, The challenges that the the news industry are facing is not a revenue challenge. It's much greater than a revenue challenge, and it needs to look at its entire business model, not just the revenue aspect of, of, of its operations. Now, what is challenging is that society has changed. Um, the way society operates, the levels at which it operates, where services are generated, where import in people's lives is, has been shifting. Um, and news organizations have not been shifting with that. Um, and that creates great kinds of trouble. Women are in the workforce today in equal numbers to men in most countries, or close to it. And this is shifting the kind of, 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 of way we live in society. Um, the average Western European commutes two hours a day to and from work. Um, you know, this changes society in, you know, in significant ways. The news organizations are based on providing services based in the old way that society lived. Um, Media choices have expanded dramatically. The number of media that are available, the number of locations where you can get news and information have expanded dramatically in the last 25 years. Um, And what is happening now is that that we have a lot of changes that are going on and much of the news that is being presented, or much of the content that is being presented as news, isn't really fitting the lifestyles of the public. Um, The times at which it's offered are not particularly useful for many people, and for many people, just the structure and the way it's offered are not particularly suited to their lifestyles. Um, for many people, there's clearly a gap in the kind of news they get and what is useful for them. And we see this in the UK, which right now has a real crisis in local information. That it's, you, you know, you can get a great amount of information about international news, national news, but try to get local information and you've got some troubles. Um, and so we have a, a lot of different kinds of, of factors here that are, that are business model issues because business models go to the product and not merely to the revenue. And what we see the discussion being based on is all about the revenue. We gotta get more money, and that's not a way to go, don't go and solve the problem. The biggest problem is that news organizations had life very good in the 20th century because they were generally monopolists on information. They, uh, they had the sources, and there were very few of them. If they weren't monopolists, they were oligopolists, and essentially they could give news and information when they wanted, how they wanted, and you were stuck with the way it was provided. Today, however, all of the kind of legacy media have been so um, augmented by other kinds of sources of information that you cannot escape news in most cities. You get on a city bus and they're giving you news headlines. Again, this is not deep news, but for many people who want just passing knowledge of what's happening in the world, that in fact serves their need. We're getting all kinds of entertainment news, business finance news coming in on all of these different kinds of screens. Um, and being provided, I mean, even when you log onto your your computer, if you've got using mobile broadband, they take you to the to Orange or whatever and throw some news in, news at you as you as you plug in. And so we're getting news now coming from multiple places, and we don't have the kind of constrained or uh, places that existed in the past. And so this is ultimately al- altering. Um, how the public gets its news and where it sees news and how it wants to get news. Now, if news organizations are gonna be able to adjust to these, it means one, they have to think very differently today about people and about the product that they offer. You gotta, is the role of news in people's lives? Um, do you need to be providing this, the, the multiple sections that you provide uh, if you are a news organization because are those sections being taken care of elsewhere? What kind of news choices are made becomes very important. And it, it, it really, um, I find it very fascinating that, that many of those news organizations that, that have Um, the greatest commitment to news actually spend most of their news budget on things like entertainment and sports and lifestyle and other such things rather than on the the news itself when in fact there are dozens of other uh, sources for those any place. So things have to be thought about that. The kind of content that's gonna be And the real question, and this starts getting into the areas of value creation, which was at the heart of my last last discussion, was what are you going to do as a journalist that is better than what everybody else is doing? How is it different? Why would they want to come to you and pay you for your product, when they can get all this other stuff free? And if you can't answer those questions, you don't have a business model. Those are the ultimate of a business model, is why are you different from everybody else, and why are you more valuable than everybody else? And it doesn't have to do with the money. Ultimately, it translates into money from some source or another, but those are the issues one has to deal with. Now, the current model, and the model that's been in place now for about 100 125 years, depending on what, what country you're in, um, basically says, we are gonna offer news cheaply or at no cost, and through that, we're gonna get a big audience, and then we're gonna sell the big audience to advertisers. And this is where we have been now for for the 20th century. Um, And it worked very effectively in the 20th century, especially the last uh, third of the 20th century, when, in fact, in real terms, um, the amount of revenue from advertising increased 300%. You could make all the mistakes in the world and you, could, you would still make more money the next year. But there were consequences for doing this and, there, and what has happened is if you look at like newspapers, the majority of the organizational cost and most of the time and effort that are involved there involve advertising. Um, and that rather than news. Um, In the average newspaper, only about 15% of total costs involves news. And that's all news broadly defined as all editorial content. Um, So it's a a really interesting problem. Um, Many of the sections that you have in newspapers, and magazines, uh, many of the features that are selected in television news are there because of the interests of advertisers. We created food sections not because newspapers are great at carrying uh, recipes, but because grocery stores wanted their ads next to the f- recipes. Um, and then they provided the recipes, so you would be sure to have, they would have the the, the items in stock. Um, you know, these were the, a lot of what we do: automotive sections. Many of these are are really around the interests of advertisers, and not around the interests of news, and not around the interests of the consumers necessarily because there are far better food and wine magazines than, than most newspapers are ever going to produce. Um, and so, but these were why these sections were added over the period of time. Most news organizations where they have research efforts and other such things know far more about their advertisers than their readers and they act upon them in a regular way. Newspapers often do a great deal of reader research and it never reaches the newsroom never reaches the newsroom because, and because news, the journalists are not interested in it, we're doing news, we know what they need, we don't have to touch this and it becomes a real interesting problem and journalists may know what they need but they've lost essentially over half of their audience in the last 30 years and that's a real problem. Uh, maybe we don't know what they need as, as well as we think they do. The, uh, Mass model had consequences, as I said. And if you go back into the late 1800s, uh, almost three quarters of the content was news. Um, Of all the space that was in a newspaper, it was almost all news. Um, 10% were just, was content, where these sports, lifestyle, other such things, it was very unusual for them, and, and advertising was there, but it was less than a quarter of the content. Today, the average are only about 15% of any of those kinds of hard news, and 25% of it is sports, 60% of the average newspaper is advertising. Now, I'm I'm a cynic sometimes, and it it upsets Paolo and others, (laughs) and I get very cynical about the business. I would say this isn't a newspaper, but an ad delivery system. Okay, that's right. Um, It's it's you know we have so changed, and it happened gradually, a little over time, a little more, a little more, a little more. We changed the business model. The business model has been altered. The product choices, the content choices have been altered along the way without anybody actually thinking about them in a really significant way, Um, and we've made this kind of change, uh, and that's probably I'm sorry, where are those figures from? I don't recognize them. Those figures are from a number of, st- of content analysis studies that have been done all across Europe about the state of the newspaper and in North America as well. Um, they do not um, reflect Asia as of yet, but uh, and Asia, but Asia, I don't think, is probably too much too much different. Are they yeah. largely American versus European? The, the North American ones are, but Europeans are not. Because European, even standard papers, devote so much space to entertainment, so much based to sports and other such things. That's why, where those, why, yeah. And so, I mean, if you have the, when you get to the most elite papers, you won't have that, but on the averages across the papers. I can't see anyone here with a newspaper. I don't think there'll be 60% athletes in that one. Um, yeah, well, UK is a little different, because UK has a national advertising pattern, but where you get to countries where the structure is regional and local as the primary press, um, that's where it skews, and it skews very, very heavily because of that. Um, now, most of these practices were ba- built in the 20th century, but in the 21st century, with all these kind of changes that have gone on with delivery systems and other sorts of things, you can't keep doing what you did in the 20th century, and expect to have success with that formula. And that's where where the real issues of, of the business model um, um, require it to be revisited along the way. Um, And so essentially, um, there has to be a review of the logic. Um, A business logic, uh, uh, basically, you you have to look at what is the value being created there, what customers are being served, how are they being served, how to best provide those services. All of those things are part of the business model and need to be in there. And the reason we have business models, most businesses, when they start, have a business model. And then they forget about them, and this is the problem with the newspaper business because we're we're in our third century in the newspapers, and the bottle's been working and it's been working pretty well. So we we nobody writes a business model for a newspaper today simply because it's there, and so. Um, but it's important when you have big changes to go back and review the business model and take a look at it because it basically answers questions like, what business are we in, which is a really important question to answer ask now and then. Um, it explains what the customer needs are. It shows the products that are there. It shows what the company's going to do to grow and expand and develop. And if you've ever sat with it and uh, in, in, in looked at startup business plans, whether they be for profit or not for profit organizations, there has to be a clarity in how all these things work together, or, or it won't get funded and won't get started uh, and, and, and be able to, to, to be there. But they're not permanent, and this is why one has to revisit, because you've got to renew them essentially whenever things, anything changes, if they're not working, if, if the products are changing, if you've got competitors coming in that are creating problems, you've got to renew them and you've got to look at them in a very different kind of way. And news organizations today are suffering because everything's changed. The product's changed, the market's changed, there's disruptive competitors coming in. All of these things um, are creating this huge amount of turmoil, but all most people want to talk about in the industry is how do we get some more money out of people? We'll throw up a paywall. We'll get subscriptions, we'll, we'll do something, we'll get some foundation to pay for it. But that's not addressing the underlying problems of, of the industry and I, and I think that's really a, a, a part of the problem in, in a very significant way. Now when you look at business models and you try to conceive them, they're simple and complex all at the same time because, the, because they involve relationships. And whenever one has relationships, whether it be personal or otherwise, they're always complex, um, and uh, as we have to deal with them. But the heart of any business model is the value proposition: what do we do that creates value for somebody, and how is it created? old company, and the somebody is the customer. Now, part of the problem with the current issue is because our customer is not the reader; our customer is the advertiser, and so. We, we, we address the reader as, well, democratic principles, we want to support these things. Democratic principles don't mean a thing if three quarters of the population in your country aren't reading you. Okay, That's, that, you know, you're not creating a service if people aren't taking advantage of it, if you're not reaching them in some way along the way. Now, you don't always have to reach them with the newspaper, but you have to reach them or you're not going to have, have much issue. Ultimately, we have to figure out how are we gonna produce and distribute. Um, most, uh, uh, most major organizations in the West now are beginning to have figured out that the production and distribution using print is probably not the best way. It counts for about three quarters of all your costs um, and uh, is, is very difficult. Um, There's what we call a value configuration, and a value configuration involves what the key capabilities that you have to have to create this. And the key capabilities um, in, in journalism, of course, involve having the proper skills and practices and knowledge of how to get information, how to process it and put it together. Um, how, how to sell advertising, if you're advertising based, um, how to put something together in an attractive way that interests people, uh, all of those are key capabilities. It involves partner networks, and we use a lot of partner networks in, in journalism, we don't think very much about them, but with the exception of the largest papers, Most papers are dependent upon wire services, news services, and feature services for the bulk of their their content along the way. Um, It involves all kinds of suppliers of things, such as paper. Why, Why would any newspaper company make salmon colored newsprint? They didn't, until FT went to them and said, we'd like a newsprint that's not white. And they created salmon colored newsprint. And what was done to be part of the value proposition of the paper to make it stand out as different from a general circulation paper to be a financial paper. And in a number of countries now, people have used that same colored paper to indicate we are a different kind of paper. But it's there. But the newsprint companies didn't make it in in the past. And the Finnish companies that make it are very happy to do so because they get a higher premium for it than they get for the plain white print. And there aren't as many suppliers, so there's a little less competition. In, in, in that segment of news. But we have w- the issue of working with your suppliers becomes an important thing. And one of the challenges that is occurring today is that many um, news organizations are changing how they cover, cover the world but what demands are they making on their news and feature services to change the way that they cover the world so that you get coordination across the changes that are being done? That's a really part of of the problem with working with the partner networks. You have to configure all of this to get what you need to make it work well. Um, When you have customers, you create customer relationships that you can actually turn customers into partners. And many, uh, um, many companies do this in terms of their product development, in terms of, of integrating um, material and content and other such things into activities they're involved in. We in the journalism business are worried about this because we're not sure about the customers. Because we, gee, if they take a photograph, is it a good photograph? If they send us some news, is it good? We sometimes don't like the comments they make. You know, we've got real problems in thinking about how we're going to bring them in, um, and 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 you 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 hear a certain amount of, of of disdain for for the great unwashed customer out there, which is not a great way um, to create a good customer relationship. Ultimately, uh, the value configurations and production create your costs, but it's your customers that give you your revenue stream from one another. If you're lucky, it works out. The problem is it hasn't been working out the last few years, um, primarily because um, there's a, a huge loss in print. Of uh, of about thirty percent of uh, income from uh, classified advertising, and then a large drop because of the inflationary drop in other cat, uh, because of the uh, recessionary drop in other categories. Um, but that's not a, that's that's going to change in the future. Um, the classifieds are gone, but uh, but certainly the, the recession problem will change. So how do? Where do you go forward in a company in journalism when you're working with this? I mean, the, the first thing you have to do is figure out what business you're in. Um, what business is this? Well, steam engine. The railways thought they were in the railway business. <laughs> okay. And if you're in the railway business, what do you do? You, what, you build railways. <laughs> you build railways and you run trains <laughs> on them. Okay, that's what you do. And they thought, that's great, we're in the railway business. Um, trucking comes along, they didn't think, oh, that's trucking, that's not railways, we don't worry about that. Air- airplanes come along, oh, that's air travel, that's not, that's not for what we do. Um, this was not a very good move. It took them about 50 years to recover from those mistakes um, when they suddenly realized, uh-oh, we're in the transportation business for both freight and passengers. <laughs> And suddenly, their freight part started going off to the trucks and going off to the airlines. And that became a huge problem for them. And they've, they've now readjusted and are trying to, to, to reorganize to accommodate. that. They're, they're doing quite well with rail freight systems and others now, That, but for about 50 years, they got themselves into trouble because they, no, no, we run railroads. And those things aren't railroads. Therefore, why wasn't it that the railway, why didn't the railways put Truck trailers on the railway, and then when they got where they want were, get a lorry, back it up to it, and take it elsewhere. No, because we put freight on rails. Okay? But they didn't think that nobody that was using them cared that they put freight on rails. They wanted freight delivered from point A to point B at the most cost-efficient measure. That was all they would care. For. So this was the problem they got in. Now We've had the same kind of narrowness in terms of the way news media organizations have tended to identify themselves. I mean, broadcasters think they're broadcasters, and it's only been in the last five years that they suddenly realized, wait a minute, we've got a lot of stuff going on the internet, we've got non-broadcast downloads we can do, we can do all kinds of different things. We're, we're in a different kind of business. Magazine publishers thought they published magazines, which meant you had to put something on print, and you had to run it out on a on a printing press. Newspapers thought they were in the paper business. And that narrows the way you think about what you're doing and what your options are when you, whenever, you, whenever you think of your business as being that. And this, this is, of course, a, a huge problem because what is the business that media and news organizations are in? They're in informational entertainment. And the problem is, all of those other encroachments on information and entertainment that have come in um, are creating a huge kind of of, of, uh, gap in the perceptions and activities of media organizations in providing the content that they are. Now, the reason this has is what management terms they call organizational uh, persistencies. And that as an organization develops and changes along the way, it has values and it has histories and a culture that really help guide its decisions over a period of time. And so you do tend to do what you know along the way. And you end up with an organization um, that really has a, 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 a has built very very strong processes in, within it, uh, very strong values and norms of how it behaves and operates along the way. And ultimately, you want to do what you know how to do best. So, if something's worked before, you do it. If it hasn't worked before, you don't want to do it. And you want to stick with that past because, oh, that's, that's really, it fits comfortably to everybody that works in there and it fits quickly into the organizational mode. Um, but this kind of structural inertia, what it does is it really narrows your ability as an organization to respond to, to changes that are out there. And since the major problem media are facing today and news media are facing is change. This is really damaging um, along the way because it just basically narrows your your perceptions. Now, if you look at newspapers, uh, newspapers are a particularly interesting uh, um, brand, and what you're trying to do is is create and print a newspaper. Uh, To go back to the 1800s, basically, in order to be able to create and print a newspaper, publishers had to do a lot of things because they had to be able to get a lot of money in. So many of them printed books, they, present, they presented uh, posters, advertising materials, all kinds of commercial printing and others, and that was modeled to fund the, to fund the newspaper. But as they started getting successful in the 19th <laughs> century, they began saying, well, gee, you know, we don't wanna do books, we don't do books, um, we're, we're having to buy a different kind of press if we're gonna do books than if we do just newspapers. Uh, so they began saying, let's take out those things that are not core to our business. So they said, we'll print, we'll print our newspaper and create it and print it. We have excess capacity on our printing presses, so we'll print other papers there because we don't have to change the settings on the, on the print press, therefore we can print those faster. We'll do some ad sheets because they can run on the presses in the same side, that's fine. And it worked, and the newspapers are going, this is great. They've got a model that works along the way. They started adding up. advertising inside in the 19th century, everything was fine. The 20th century comes along and they're sitting there and they said, well, you know, we really are doing well. We've got all this money coming from the advertising. We don't want to put a lot of effort into these outside businesses. So we're gonna shed these peripheral businesses. We're gonna get out of the advertising sheets. We're not gonna do commercial printing for other publishers. We'll just print our paper along the way. And that was fine because the advertising was growing and growing internally and they could afford to do so and they were being financially successful. Radio comes along and newspaper publishers in many countries looked at that and said, should we go to radio? And they go, I don't know, it's not paper, it's not news, doesn't make sense, we're we're gonna skip that, we're not gonna get in there. Perfectly logical choice. Perfectly logical choice, nothing wrong with that choice to do so, um, to to make that choice. Television comes along, in some countries, uh, um, newspapers were offered television um, channels. They said television. we had a couple hours of news a day on there. We know how to do news. We don't know how to do television. What you know? Let's. Damn uh, uh, yeah, There might be money in it. There might not. We don't know. Uh, but let's let's not go there. Let's you know. In the past, we've tried to keep focus on what we do best. So they got rid of it. Cable comes along. Well cable, should we own a cable system? I don't know, it's pipes going into everybody's house. That looks like utility, we'll let the Vivendi do it. And, um, it was it was just a very easy, natural choice not to do so. The problem is, suddenly, starting in, uh, in, in the late 20th century, you got a whole bunch of choices thrown at you along the way, which are compounding the problems created by taking your audience from the earlier ones. And all of a sudden, newspapers are in real trouble in their business model, because all of these collectively have altered their business model and pushed them into one side activity that is existing. There. And this is where where newspapers have gotten their business model wrong and financially into trouble today. And they can't live alone on just creating and printing the newspaper. So they are moving out. Many are moving onto the internet. It's costing them more money than it's generating for most of the publishers today, but they don't know what to do. Many of them are throwing apps onto, their, for, onto iPads and other tablets, hoping that that's going to be the, the one that they can monetize along the way. We'll see. Uh, I'm a believer though. if people won't pay for newspapers, uh, they're not gonna pay for newspapers on an iPad. I'm, I'm a little uh, cynical about that, as I, as, as I said. Those people that pay might pay, but those people that don't. So it's, it's not a savior. It will, over time, once you can stop a print edition, uh, save you a good deal of production costs. Again, it is a problem. Um, if we look at newspapers um, in, in, in terms of production and other such things, I mean, we find that they're really influenced by um, a manufacturing ori- orientation. Not surprising, three-quarters of the, of the costs and uh, two-thirds of the cost, about three-quarters of the effort are, are uh, manufacturing and, and distribution along the way. Um, It's an organization that has a strong reliance on suppliers. If if the paper doesn't arrive, you don't print and that happens every now and then. Um, We have a, a production orientation in which there's a lot of process orientation that is in there. Things have to happen in a particular order. It's very much like manufacturing. Um, That if you're going to get efficiency, if you're going to get things done, certain stories have to be completed at different times, so that that certain sections are going to be completed before others, all of these kinds of of (coughs) issues uh, that come into play along the way. And we don't have a lot of direct contacts with the customers, partly because we use a lot of retail intermediation in there and we have kiosks and newsstands and others that are handling it. We have uh, commercial delivery systems or others, so we don't really have that many contacts uh, with, with the customer along, along the way. Now the question is, as we start moving into this new environment with all of the new technologies that are available to net, how do we make that customer a more part of what we have? Rather than meeting mere consumers out there at the end of the retail value chain, how do we make them part of our partners? Um, <laughs> A lot of companies have become very good at doing this, particularly in the software business and others, where they bring uh, complaints, comments, and other things back in and, and, and uh, alter things very, very quickly. I, uh, um, I was, uh, two years ago, when Obama was running uh, for president, uh, Yahoo did a, a really excellent, uh, one of the best ones in, in the US, news site devoted to all of the primary elections, and we have 50 of them in the United States, so it's, it's quite complex. Um, but because of some changes in laws, they altered all the dates of the, of the primaries, so different primaries took place at different times. And nobody in the country knew what those dates were. You knew where you were, but in no, other, no other state. And they had this wonderful interactive map that had everything on it. And I was looking at it one day, and I go, Oh, I wonder where the California primary is. And I looked over there, I, I had to I had to go to the California elections office to find out uh, when it was. And so I just sent an email. And I just sent an email, and I said, w- Why don't you put the dates when these all are on there? I guess you know, people watch, looking at the country as a whole would be interested in that. I got an email back from them within an hour, and within three hours, they had the dates on all all the 50 states, because they said, that's a good idea, and they could do so. And that kind of- Were you emailing them? What? You were emailing the government? No, no, I emailed Yahoo, who was producing this site. Just put them all all up there, and within three hours, they had actually had the dates on all the sites. there isn't a news company <laughs> anywhere in the world, I think, that responds that fast to customers. <laughs> um, but it was just a little thing. But many software improvements of all kinds are, very, are, are produced by consumers rather than others. Um, so we have to start thinking of how do we allow the, um, users to start controlling this process to get what they wanted in a more different way. Um, and we haven't been very good at that till, um, until now. Because what we do as news organizations and particularly newspapers um, is um, we, we act like we're in the restaurant business in many, in, in many ways along the way. We try to get this large group of customers and serve them very inexpensively you know, so they can come in and eat cheap. Uh, we give a little something out there. We got you know, 40 things on the buffet table, and you can come and sample whatever you want. Um, you know, most people won't do all 40, um, but everybody can find something that they like along the way. We give them quality, not I mean quantity, not quality along the way. They get a lot of food. We always make them eat a lot of pastas and breads and stuff because that that's cheap and um, and you know. So what we're giving is food, not service. <clears throat> Um, What we're giving is food, not experience. And so the question is, can we alter this kind of behavior um, and do something completely different? Can we go to more of a fine dining one where we we serve a smaller group of customers? We're already serving a smaller group of customers. We're serving the customers who are most interested in auto news. We're serving the customers who are most interested in getting it daily. We're still giving them all the things that we put into the newspaper to get those people who aren't regular customers anymore, all the non-news, and then we're squeezing the hard news, which is the things that our primary customers like the best. And we're saying, well, we we can't give you news about Africa because we can't afford to put somebody out there anymore. But well, wait a minute, these are the people that are paying because they like good news. But no, no, we'll give them more news about uh, you know about Natalie Portman or something, you know, because we can get it from one of our services. Uh, you know, it's a very strange way of thinking about your business, and we have to start thinking about who is the smaller group of customers. Um, And When you get a smaller group customer, you offer a specialized, high-quality menu, you've got to provide service along the way, get a good experience as part of that uh, along the way, and you can get a better price for doing so. Now, how do you do that in a news organization? We really have to start thinking about service. We really have to start thinking about what is it that these people want to eat? Uh, what is the diet of, of news and information they really need and are willing to pay us a decent price to get? And that, if we don't do that, we're, we're in a severe problem. Um, in the end, um, you know, we gotta take some risks along the way. Uh, you know, whenever you start new products or do things, you can have failures. Uh, there's potentials for losses in doing so. Most news organizations are, are very risk-averse. Very risk-averse. They're not entrepreneurial at all, and if you're risk-averse, you lose all kinds of opportunities to grow and develop in, in new ways along the way. And so, one has to be very, very careful about, uh, about such things. One needs to invest without being reckless, but, um, but one does have to be, be careful along the way. And then in the end, when you look at business models and you develop business models in different ways, you can't copy anybody else's. Because the model that the Times of London uses will not be right for the Scotsman. The model, the model that a small local paper uses will not be the, the, the same model that an international brand can use, it just, it's not going to work. And so one's gonna have to find the ones that are there. I am always amazed, and I I do a lot of work with a number of industry (coughs) associations, where all of these newspapers come to these organizational meetings to hear what the biggest newspapers in the world are doing. Yet, the biggest newspaper in the, in the world you know, are sitting there, well, wait, we've got three million circulation, and you're trying to listen to them to, to see what you should do with your 30,000 circulation newspaper? You know, it, it just, it doesn't work. But there is this idea, we'll copy success, and we'll go off and do it. And in business models, that's a guaranteed way to destroy a lot of value very quickly. And I'll leave it to Robin. Thank you very much indeed, thank you. Uh,